You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, 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 we made it to Thursday. Hope you all are enjoying it so far. We're hoping for a smooth landing for the, for this end of the week. We got the ugly stuff out of the way on Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, for those of us that are the Monday through Friday crew, you know, Thursday's kind of that... Sigh of relief day. Like, oh man, we made it over the hump. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Start to gear down a little bit. Granted, we just got to start all over on Monday. But that's, that's, we'll worry about that on Sunday. Let's not get carried away. But welcome to the Packernet Podcast. If it's your first time here, let me encourage you to jump in the uh, Packernet Podcast Facebook group and like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. We've still got that uh, poll running in the group. Looks like coming in 13th place after Darnell Savage and Preston Smith is going to be Adrian Amos. And again, we're running through this whole roster, so if you want to jump in on that, you got to get in the group. If you'd like to support the show, Patreon, five-star reviews, you could buy... Well, I, you know what they need. They got all this buy-me-a-coffee stuff. What they should have is, is buy-me-a-steak. I, I should start that website, buymeasteak.com. And unlike the buy me a coffee thing, which is really just like a $3 donation or $2 donation, and there's actually no correlation to coffee other than maybe a psychological thing of like, oh yeah, it's just a coffee. I better give them that money and maybe more people give that way. I don't know. No, this is real steak. Like I don't, I don't see a penny. I just have all of a sudden there's like a, there's a New York strip delivered to my door. What is this? They're like, I don't know. Somebody bought you a steak. Like, well, okay then. Already had dinner, but, you know, second dinner it is. You know, because you don't want to, I mean, I'm not going to just pop it in the freezer. That's ridiculous. You got to eat it on site. You guys think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. See, and the benefit of that is that there's no guilt. Because if, if I take Patreon money and buy a steak, that that feels irresponsible. It's irresponsible to you and your donation, and it's irresponsible to my family who... You know, there's some other higher priorities than me getting steak. But if, if it's just a steak, what am I supposed to do? Like, I just look at my wife and I'm like, well, I guess I gotta eat it. I can't sell it. I can't put it on Facebook Marketplace and sell it for for money. It's just, it's just, that needs to be a thing. That's all I'm saying. And, I mean, you get to pick the kind of steak. Could be a filet. No pork steaks. We're talking beef steaks only. T-bone. You know the, you know the steaks. Buy me a steak. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, if this NFL season doesn't happen, and I said we wouldn't talk about ugly stuff anymore, but I'm, that's going to be it. That's my thing. Buymeasteak.com. Anyways, uh, again, if you're new here, we do talk about the Packers. Sometimes I just, uh, I don't. Sometimes sometimes I don't. However, on the agenda today, kind of a, I don't, I don't want to get too carried away with telling you everything I want to talk about, because there's a 60% chance at least that the first thing I start talking about is, is the, also the last thing I end up talking about. But... We'll just go through the list. Number one, shouldn't take very long. Raheem Mostert is asking for a trade, and everybody, for some reason, is freaking out. We'll look at that. There was a very good article written about how Rodgers and Devontae maybe aren't the greatest pairing in the world. 
I'm saying it that way because it sounds more enticing, and that's also how he titled the article, which was was gutsy because it was a very good article, and it is one of those. It's almost like anti-clickbait. <laughs> it's like telling Packers fans like just respond to this angrily and don't bother reading it, and then you read it and it's like, oh, this isn't this isn't bad at all. It's actually pretty pretty reasonable. And then um, if we get to it, there was a tweet sent out that basically just analyzed what if the Packers took. Uh, the next available wide receiver, instead of the player that they took, would it have been a better pick? Uh, he had his opinions. I'll give you my opinions on that. But then I also decided, because that's not as interesting as, um, you know, as as I would like to make it, I looked at it a little bit deeper than that and came to some different conclusions. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there if we get there when we get there. Does that is that a sentence that, that makes sense and sounds good to you? It felt good, I you know. Anyways... Let's take a break, and we'll talk about those things. I'm going to Google and see if Buy Me a Steak is already a thing. You've got to be kidding me. Not only is there no website called buymeasteak.com, um, it's not even like a 10,000... I shouldn't even... Why am I telling you this publicly? One of you is going to buy it, and I'm going to punch you right in the eye socket. But it's interesting. Regard, it's, it's not even like one of those expensive ones. Like Usually when you just get a normal thing, like Buy Me a Steak... It's like a $10,000 domain because somebody buys it thinking somebody's going to want it. Apparently nobody, that's how dumb of an idea this is, nobody even (laughs) thinks that this is a worthwhile domain to squat on. I'm going to turn this into a multi-billion dollar domain name. Joke's on all of you. (sighs) Found my calling. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So first of all, the Raheem Mostert news. What it seems like to me 
is that the news that he wants to be traded for most people, especially Packers fans, is good, get him out of San Francisco, get him away from us, we never want to see him again because he's some kind of elite running back, whatever. I don't know when and where this came from. I mean, I, I guess I do, but I, I I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I can't give people the benefit of the doubt if they're going to look at one game against the Packers as their... Uh, I guess, reasoning for believing this is some kind of an elite running back. But the fact of the matter is, um, if we look at, I mean, from every angle here, he started. He's, he's an undrafted free agent that started with Baltimore. He didn't touch the ball once with Baltimore in 2015. He got booted off the team. San Francisco picked him up. In 2016, he had one run for six yards. In 2017, he had six runs for 30 yards. Um, so the, the first time he touched the ball more than once in 2017, he had a 35 overall grade. 2018, he got a little bit of a boost. 34 attempts, 261 yards, 7.7 yards per attempt. So that's pretty impressive, and he actually graded out fairly well. Terrible fumble grade, you know, because he fumbled once, and he only touched it 40 times. Uh, Also not a great blocker. But then in 2019, as far as grades go, he actually graded out pretty well, but here's the problem. It's mostly because he had a couple of really good games. Week 2 against Cincinnati... 85.6 overall grade, and then, of course, there's that lingering 90.7 overall grade against the Green Bay Packers, in which he carried the ball 29 times for 220 yards, 7.6 yards per attempt. Here's the other issue, and and the thing is, we've seen this with a bunch of other teams. There are some teams out there where it, it just doesn't matter who comes in. The guy that runs the ball just seems to do a pretty good job. Talked about that with the Minnesota Vikings. Right? Dalvin Cook is a freak. He's elite. He da 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 da. The biggest hindrance to that argument is the fact that everybody that comes in behind him when he's hurt or whatever, which happens pretty much as much as it doesn't happen. Somebody was rattling it off. Um, I think it was uh, Joseph Robert, the fantasy football counselor. He was talking about why he wouldn't touch Dalvin Cook, and he, he said something to the effect I could easily look it up, but I think he said out of like 46 or 47 starts or games that the Vikings have played since he's been on the team. He played like 29. But the bottom line is when people come in, they tend to do as good or better. And that's that's not as big of a knock on Dalvin. Dalvin obviously has attributes that these other guys don't, which is why you should fear him more. The point is, though, Raheem doesn't. Again, he's an undrafted free agent. He's 5'10", 197. He is very fast, which, you know is a great combination when you get an offensive line that blows open massive holes. You can uh, you can do some damage, as the Green Bay Packers saw. But the, the other reality here is, outside of those games, he had a bunch of average to subpar games. He only cracked over 100 yards one other time, aside from this 220-yard ridiculous game. The, the point is, I'm not... When, when I look at the fact that we have to play the 49ers again this year, I'm not looking at it as saying, if you don't have Raheem Mostert, you're doomed. I'm looking at it as the the offensive line, the system that they have, means we are in trouble, regardless of the running back, if we don't fix something. Regard, I mean, we didn't even know who was going to be running the ball. There was a, a guy at my work who bet a lot of money on a completely different running back, who, I mean, granted, he wasn't really expected to be. It was a dumb bet. He just saw the odds and was like, oh, dude, that's that's money. So, yeah, well, he's not going to run the ball. But you never knew from week to week. It got this whole stable. And I, I really think, and, and look, maybe this is where Raheem kind of disagrees like a lot of other people do, but I don't think the 49ers really care for him very much, right? Remember, they brought in Jarek McKinnon to be the guy, 
Jarek McKinnon got hurt. Raheem Mostert took over and everything was fine. And what did they do? They brought in Tevin Coleman from Atlanta. They're still trying to find the guy because they don't think Raheem Mostert is the guy. And maybe it's just because he's a smaller back and they want somebody that can take more of a, of, of a load, kind of like the Packers are doing with A.J. Dillon. Love Aaron Jones as a guy that can do a lot of damage in short spurts, but we want somebody that can handle more. I don't know, but but again, this happens all the time. When you look at it, it's like, you don't need to do that. You're doing fine. And they're like, nah, trust me, it's not what we want. And the, the point of all that is Raheem Moster more than likely is going to be traded somewhere else. And depending on the team, he's probably going to go there and not have a lot of success. There are not a lot of places that run the ball as well as the 49ers do, and it's not because of the running backs. Again, Raheem was, he was the top back for the 49ers, and he did a fantastic job. And I think this is a guy that's frustrated, rightly so, that's looking at a team that's, that's push, trying hard to push him down the depth chart, and he feels like he deserves more respect than that. But I guess, I guess the biggest thing that I, I want to say is, don't think that just because the 49ers lose Raheem Mostert, and nothing's official yet, maybe he ends up sticking around, I don't know, but don't think just because they move on from him, if they move on from him, that we're suddenly saved. Uh, Matt Breida absolutely tore it up. He got 4.9 yards per carry on the season. I've always thought Jarek McKinnon was a very good running back. He did very well in Minnesota. Granted, Minnesota is one of those teams as well. But he always did a great job there. And I always felt like he was... He, he was actually kind of similar to Raheem Mostert, where they just kept piling people on top of him. And it's like, just give the guy a chance. It seemed like San Francisco was going to give him a chance, and then he got hurt. But I think Jarek will do a good job. I think Tevin will do a good job. I think a lot of running backs will do a good job behind the 49ers offensive line. Not because the 49ers have this elite offensive line necessarily, but they just they know how to run the ball well. They've got that choreographed stuff down pat. And Raheem Mostert isn't just going to be able to take his 4-3-2-40 time, which is blazing fast, but it's a lot of really fast guys. It's it's It doesn't do you a lot of good to run really fast into a brick wall. And the fact is, when you're 197 pounds, you're not breaking a lot of tackles. So unless you're you've got some wide open holes to run through, you're not going to get anywhere. Actually, says he was drafted by the Eagles, so he must not have even made the team. Got cut, picked up that same year by the Ravens, got cut again, then got picked up by San Francisco. And again, so San Francisco was his third team. Didn't even do very well until year three with the 49ers, year four in the league. And again, this is when you've been behind Shanahan or under Shanahan for a while. And this, again, these things take time to, to, to get the offensive line right, get the right pieces in place, to coach them the right way, to understand all that stuff. I, I just think it's not going to work out very well for Raheem. Just my thought, I don't know. Now granted, maybe that was a bigger negative for the Green Bay Packers because of guys like Blake not exactly having blazing speed. I think regard, I mean, just if you go watch that game and look at the massive holes the Packers left all over the place, it's hard to imagine any running back not doing a lot of damage. But maybe it's only like 190 yards as opposed to 220 for another running back. I don't know. But the point is, we've got some serious things to fix regardless of who the running back is. Cannot tell you how tempted I am to just buy this domain right now. Not going to do it. But oh my goodness. They've already got those companies that deliver meat to your door. Could just partner up with one of them. Right? It's it's just, it's it's too easy. Could even set it up on like a month-to-month thing. And then, if I can get 30 people to set up on a monthly buy-me-a-steak, I get a steak every day. I'll eat steak every day of my life. I'll be the owner and the only customer. And there, and there you go. I don't, even, I don't even need this to be like a big thing. It's just, this is just for me. 
Sorry, I just, I left the tab open, and it's distracting me. And I'm a little bit hungry. Not a lot, but the steak thing, kind of always hungry for steak. I don't know, I don't know if you have that. It's kind of like some people with, with popcorn and chips, but for me it would be steak. Let's take a look at, um, this is an article over at uh, Acme Packing Company slash SB Nation, whatever. It's written by Mr. Badger Noonan, Paul Noonan. Probably know him from Twitter, possibly, I don't know. But the title of the article is Why Aaron Rodgers is a Poor Fit for Devontae Adam. Again, it's a it's the anti-clickbait article. But um, in an effort to get you to actually go read the article, I'm just going to, rather than kind of read it and, and overly summarize it, I'm just going to put it into my own words because I feel like I've semi-danced around this, but this is sort of a, a head-on look at it. The crux of what he says is the fact that and, and we, we've, we've discussed this with Aaron Rodgers and his time to throw and the fact that he likes to sit back and launch the ball down the field all the time. The issue is, although Devontae is very good at beating people deep, that's not his main play. Devontae has almost sort of adapted to be a deep threat. He's really adapted to being very good at the double move to be able to win on go routes despite having not very good speed. The, the corners he goes up against almost almost unanimously are faster than him. I'm, I'm sure very rarely does he have a faster 40 times straight line speed than the guys he beats in a straight line. But it, it's it's relatively simple to just think, and, and, and the other issue is when you're double teamed, who are you usually double teamed by? A safety. So if you're running a quick slant route, which as I've said before, and as everybody that is a Packer fan knows, Devontae is undefeated on slant routes. He can't be beaten. He is so quick off the line of scrimmage, and, and where the article goes is sort of just pointing to the discrepancy in which Devontae Adams wins in those first couple seconds, right? He, he kind of baits the guy, and then boom, off the line of scrimmage, he wins. It's just he won. It's, he's open. But Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback that doesn't like to throw early. He wants to wait. He wants to let the play develop. And Although it, it works to a degree with Devontae, again, I think it's an adaptation by Devontae to make it work. Beyond that, he goes on to explain how it doesn't really work well with a lot of other young receivers. Because, let's face it, the further down the field you go, the more complicated of a throw and, and of a, a route that it is. We talked not too long ago about how complicated it is when you're running a route to know, you know, if you watch that video by Devontae talking about I need to be at this exact spot on the field at this exact time. And a lot of times, you have to change exactly how sharp of, a, of an angle you're running at, depending on, for example, where the safety is, where the linebacker is, what the coverage is. There's so much complexity to it. And as he, as, as Mr. Paul Noonan says in the article, which I think is, is very true, how many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers throw the ball, it lands in the middle of the field, because the receiver is not where he's supposed to be. And it's very apparent to everyone that nobody actually knows where the receiver was supposed to be except Aaron Rodgers. And although this used to work back in the day, it used to work when we had better... I mean, if you think about guys like Jordy Nelson, who was a great deep threat, you think about guys like James Jones and Greg Jennings, they were great deep threats. Even Donald Driver, before Greg Jennings showed up, he was a deep threat. The other thing that a lot of these guys had in common... You know, Randall Cobb was not a real good deep threat. Devon, or, uh, Donald Driver got moved into the slot once Greg Jennings showed up. The other thing that a lot of these guys had in common, if they weren't deep threats, and some of them, like Jordy, had both of these attributes, which I don't think Devontae really does have, is the when the play breaks down, backyard football kind of thing. 
And what we have right now is a quarterback who still wants to play that. He wants to hold on to it. He's got a little bit of that Brett Favre in him. He's going to hold on to it. He's going to launch it deep down the field. And if that deep down the field thing isn't there, then the play is broken down and he's ready for these guys to do what they need to do. And Rodgers is ready. He's ready for that backyard football thing. And there's a lot of guys, they're young guys. And again, Devontae, not saying he's bad at it, but he's, he's not Randall Cobb and he's not Jordy. He doesn't have whatever thing that is when plays break down. He's, again, he's not bad at it, but it's clearly not the same thing. And so the, the bottom line is the team has sort of evolved into something else, whether it's because of just talent leaving and not as talented people coming in, or people like Devontae who just have a different skill set, and we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole with Devontae. And the fact of the matter is the change needs to be Aaron Rodgers. And, and, and everything just kind of comes full circle, and, and that's the reason I love this article, is it really just puts a fine point on what we've sort of been dancing around for a long time. The team has changed, and this also goes for Matt LaFleur. He needs to embrace this change, and, and another thing that we had mentioned is kind of just take full control of this. No more of this, we're going to blend the, the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, whatever system, and the Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy system. We're not doing that anymore. Uh, Matt LaFleur needs to take full control and say, we're doing my system now 100%. And Aaron Rodgers needs to be on board 100%, which is to say he needs to get away from this. The ball needs to be out. And of course, that doesn't mean there's no more deep shots. You got MVS, but I, I think the constant desire to hold on to the ball for more than two and a half seconds, the constant desire to drive the ball down the field 20 yards a pop, and as he also highlights in this this uh, article, the only time we really see Devontae get utilized other than deep shots are things like wide receiver screens, which Devontae does great. But even that doesn't utilize his skill set. A wide receiver screen is him just standing there. Now, he's able to beat the guy in front of him because he's got such great footwork. But again, it's, it's, it's things something as simple as a slant route that is just undefeated. You put Devontae in the slot... Give him a little slant route. He's going to get that nine times out of ten. And we used to do that all the time with Randall Cobb, and it was just undefeated. Randall Cobb on a slant route, automatic seven yards. First and ten, boom, second and three, automatic. And I think we've got other guys that are that are younger that, that could use just a little bit more simplicity. And I, I really think that's where the team is headed. And I really think that we're, we're seeing with Jordan Love kind of this this is going to be downward pressure on Aaron Rodgers because Jordan Love, as I've mentioned when we looked at Jordan Love a little bit more, as much as everybody wants to say he's just like Aaron Rodgers with throwing off his back foot and all that. If you actually watch Jordan Love, there is some of that, but it's he's very much in tune with a quick timing offense. When you watch Jordan Love, the ball is out of his hand. Boom, 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 boom. We looked at it before. If you're newish to the show or you missed that particular episode, the fact of the matter is, and I forget the exact numbers, but I, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, had the, the ball out of his hand faster than just about anybody in the NFL. Maybe it wasn't Jimmy, but it was Jimmy and uh, a couple other people, right? Balls out of their hand really quick. Jordan Love got the ball out of his hand faster than everybody in the NFL. If, if he was able to do what he did in college in the NFL, he would have had the quickest release of anybody in all of football. I think Matt LaFleur wants that. I think the wide receivers need that. I, I you know, and... and Maybe there is a little bit of something to the fact that the wide rec- the the Packers don't seem quite as stressed about getting new wide receivers. Not to say they didn't want them, and they even talked about how they would have gone out and got wide receivers if the board had fallen a little bit differently. But there's clearly no urgency on the part of Brian Gutekunst as much as Packer fans seem to think there should be. Maybe there should be a little bit more of the onus on Aaron Rodgers, and and I again. 
it's not all negative. As we've also talked about, the the amount of upside and potential um, potential upside to developing more of just this quick release, play action, playing off the run, hitting the tight ends, shorter routes to Devontae and to all these guys. And again, that doesn't mean you don't throw the ball deep. I actually think it helps to 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 get more efficiency on those throws. In other words, when you do it, the success rate is much higher because you're not trying to force it all the time. You're actually doing it somewhat rarely, and a lot of what you do is close to the line of scrimmage. You run the ball a ton, you're hitting tight ends, wide receiver screens, Devontae on these real quick routes. And as we get you to stack the box and pull you up closer to the line of scrimmage, that's when we beat you over the top with a guy like Marquez. I think it could help Marquez. I, you know, I've, I've been skeptical of the fact that he's ever going to take a step. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think this could help. I think this could be great for a guy like Equinemius, who I actually think would be a great slot receiver. I think it would help everybody. I think it would help Aaron Rodgers. But it, again, it just comes down to, will he adapt? And I think he needs to. I think the team has, I mean, there's no question, the team has, has committed. They're moving in a different direction. You know, A.J. Dillon. DeGuara. Everything points to tight end heavy, running back heavy, run the ball heavy. Heavy as in doing it more often. Heavy is also in just body type of our bulldozer of a running back. And just looking more like, you know, the, the 49ers or I would say the Vikings. I, I think what the, the Vikings are also going to be making a transition similar to the Packers because I think that's the way they want to go. Although Kirk Cousins was very similar in that he just wanted to throw the ball deep to, to Stephon Diggs all the time, which worked out pretty well. But now that they don't have Diggs, they're going to have to do the same thing. It's, it's sort of adapt or die for them, just like it is the Packers. As much as Kirk Cousins was great last year, um, I think leaning on Dalvin Cook is going to be the future for the Vikings, but that's a separate issue. And so it, it really just points to a, a really big pivot point for the Packers. It, it's a big fork in the road. Are the Packers, it, is Matt LaFleur really going to just kind of man up and say, this is my team now. We're going to do it my way and just force this change, which he needs to, because if he doesn't, we're going to see a lot of the same. This is a, a more of a Matt LaFleur roster. It doesn't make any sense to let Aaron Rodgers try to run the old Mike McCarthy. This hasn't been a Mike McCarthy roster in terms of having the players that he needs for quite a while. What, 2016? I mean, Jordy left after that, but he was hurt, and it was all this other stuff. You know, he was hurt, and then Rodgers was hurt, and it was just a big mess. But the last time you had, like, Devontae and Cobb and Rod- and, and, uh, and Jordy and Rodgers all together, I think it was 2016, or was it 2014? I don't know. It was, it was a long time ago. And so a more simplified offense that doesn't need as many elite players, that doesn't even necessarily need an elite quarterback. Again, Aaron Rodgers being a really good quarterback just sort of helps elevate this this offense to that next level. It's not a requirement. That's the other reason why Aaron Rodgers should watch his back and make sure that he does a very good job within the system because the Packers are ready to pull the trigger on Jordan Love. Now, granted, if, as I've said, if Jordan Love is, is terrible, they can't pull the trigger. But I think there's a large part of them that wants to. Why would you not want to move on with a younger, talented, very cheap quarterback if you can't? And again, I don't think Jordan Love needs to be elite. You don't need to be elite to run this system. You just need to do what you're told. You need to be able to distribute the ball accurately to the guys that I tell you to get it to, when I tell you to get it to him. And I think that's what Jordan Love accelerates at. If you, again, go back and watch him in college, the pinpoint accuracy of his throws, it's its really impressive. Even things like wide receiver screens, like which don't seem that impressive. And I did a whole video on it. If you want to go in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, or excuse me, the page, there is a video there. The pinpoint accuracy of his throws are really, really impressive. And for that reason, I actually thought 
he's more of a Tom Brady than an Aaron Rodgers, except he kind of has that Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes upside. And I, I don't want to, oh, you know, again, he might be a terrible quarterback in the NFL. I'm not trying to, he's, he's Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes mixed together. I'm not, I'm not trying to take it there. But Tom Brady was more of a system quarterback that got the ball out quickly at the right time to the right person with pinpoint precise passing. I think that's more of a, a better description of not just Jordan Love, but why the Packers like Jordan Love. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is gone. I'm just saying the time to change is 2020. That's it. There's there's, there's no more chances. And I, and I really hope Matt LaFleur embraces it as well, because as Mr. Noonan pointed out, the, the, this is this is what the team needs. Devontae is, is wired a certain way, and we need to really emphasize his strengths. We've been so focused on Aaron Rodgers, and, and not even necessarily his strengths, but what he likes to do. And we're so scared to tell him he has to change, despite the fact that we're trying to force a round peg in a square hole. I think I use those interchangeably, which is fine. It works both ways. As long as the other hole is, is smaller than, the, than, than is required, it, it works. But not just for Devontae, but I think for everybody. You look at how good of, of, of receivers that Aaron Jones and Jamal have become. We, we should be utilizing that more. Granted, the offensive line, I think, has been pretty putrid in um, making that work. But they have been getting better. I remember when they first started doing that, those, those uh, screens and whatnot, it was so embarrassingly terrible. But as they continue to get better at stuff like that, we should be utilizing that more. And really just pulling out this full arsenal and not just simply drop back and let Aaron Rodgers find a guy. And, you know, this this whole refusal to check down, and I want to, you know, that guy's open, but I want to wait for And even, you know, when I did that that other breakdown of, of, again, I don't know if it's the same video, I think it's a different video of comparing and contrasting Aaron Rodgers with uh, Jordan Love and why they might like Jordan Love as opposed to Aaron Rodgers. There are times when guys are open, and he just, it takes him forever to see it. Like, dude, <laughs> you know, and granted, it's easy for me watching all 22, but at the same time, you expect a guy like Aaron Rodgers to understand the coverages. You expect him to understand, especially after you snap the ball and see the, the defensive play develop, you should be able to say, hey, this guy should be open. And that there was a play that I highlighted in particular in which Jimmy Graham was open, and he was open, and he was open, and he was running, and he was waiting, and he was running, and he was waiting, and it just didn't get there. And then Rodgers finally launches it way down there, way after it, you know, and it, I think it was almost, you know, the, at, at that point he's basically covered. It's like, why didn't you know? Why Why were you wait? It's like he just, he's so hesitant. And he just likes to wait, and it's very frustrating. And um, again, we, we've kind of danced around it, and there's a lot more information. So I would definitely encourage you to go check out the article again. It's acmepackingcompany.com. Title of the article is Why Aaron Rodgers is a Poor Fit for Devontae Adams. And again, it just gives much more. That was just my summary, putting it in my words. But, you know, and if you look at the comments, people are complaining, well, we should have got him guys that, that, you know, suit his strengths. Look, regardless of what you think, first of all, it's not that easy. You can't just snap your fingers and get the next Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and James Jones and Greg Jones. You you can't just do that. You can't just take first-round pick, second-round pick wide receivers every single year to hope to rebuild that wide receiver core. Beyond that, the Packers have made a conscious decision to build around Matt LaFleur and not build around Aaron Rodgers. Not to say that you can't do both necessarily, but clearly they picked one direction over the other, and you can't necessarily disagree with that direction. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that much time left. What sense does it make to build around Aaron Rodgers? If you want to build around Aaron Rodgers in 2010, fine. You don't build around Aaron Rodgers in 2020. 
when Rodgers is getting closer to 40 than he is 30, coming off several injuries. As you, you continue to look at his statistics and see that it's just not working out, well, that's because you're not putting talent around it. Well, whatever. The point is, we don't even have enough time left to rebuild this offense that he needs. No, we're going in a different direction. The direction makes sense, and it's going to help him if he will just embrace it. I'm not. We're not playing that game anymore. It's, it's, it's over. We're done with it. Just get him the next Jordy and everything will be fine. Okay, well, we're not doing that anymore. We've moved on. We've got a new coach. We've got a new scheme. And he's either going to embrace it and we're going to be very successful. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to benefit from it. And all the receivers and running backs and everybody's going to benefit. The team will benefit or he won't. And we move on with, with Jordan Love. That's where we're at. And I'm, I'm not trying to even make the case that Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to. I hope that he does. I hope that he's ready for it. Again, we there was that uh, that time when the Packers, I think, played the 49ers under Mike McCarthy. And he said he was sitting on the sideline and just was in awe of some of the stuff that they did. He loved it. So there's every reason to believe that he's excited to, to get started on this kind of stuff. I, you know, I don't know. But I do know that it is absolutely necessary. And as I've also talked about in the past, a lot of times what you'll see with these kinds of systems is the first year is sort of an integration period. The second year is when you see it take hold entirely. Now, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of more nuance, but I, I'm just basically looking at teams that have embraced this system. You look at year one, just in terms of the run-to-pass ratio, Typically, teams tend to pass more because that's just the way the NFL is. The first year that these guys come in, um, they run the ball more and pass less, but not to a major degree. They're still, you know, more of a pass-happy team. And by year two, it's just, boom, they're one of the top-running teams in the NFL. Right? It just, that's when it really takes hold, right? Year one is sort of get some more of my guys, kind of teaching the system, but people don't quite understand it yet. And then you get that additional draft class, that additional free agency thing to really solidify my guys and what I need to make this work, and then we go all in on it. And I think even with Shanahan, it took maybe uh, an additional third year to kind of get there. But, you know, there, there, there can't be any question among Packer fans that something is broken and that this trying to force the old school Packers, it's not working. Right, it, it creates this sort of up and down fluctuation where sometimes if you go up against the right defenses and the moon is just, you know, aligned just right, we can really do some damage and the offense just really looks great. But then the next week you go up against the Redskins and it just is like, ugh, or the Giants and it's like, I just, it's not, it should be better and it's not better and I don't know why. Or the 49ers and it's an embarrassment. Or the Chargers and it's an embarrassment. We need to lean on Matt LaFleur. That's what we need to do. We need to build around Matt LaFleur. And he needs to deliver as well because it's not as simple as just saying we're going to run the system because everybody understands the basic principles of the system. And if it was that simple as just do this system and everything gets better, everybody would do it. The fact of the matter is there's a there's a ton of nuance. There's there's a, a, a buildup. There's a whole system of running certain plays and then building around that, and then calling right plays at the right time, and, and what play to call off of this, depending on what the, the defense is doing, and Shanahan is able to do it, right? We, we There's there's a whole level of, you know, there's, there's boxes that need to be checked, and until we can check all the boxes, we don't know if Matt LaFleur is going to be a great coach. We know for a fact, We've, we've checked the box that Matt LaFleur knows the intricacies of this inside and out, which is critical. He is, in, when I mentioned how hiring him made sense, because if you want to maybe go more in this direction, you're looking for a guy that has embodied this system for such a long time. He knows it inside and out. There was nobody that was available that knows how to run this particular style of offense better than Matt LaFleur that was available. 
having worked for Mike Shanahan, having been under Kyle Shanahan for such a long time as, as an offensive coordinator, even um, working under McVay, which is kind of a weird thing because McVay was under him for a while. But just to further solidify it and get more of a, a nuance and understand different ways of implementing it and just all that different stuff, he's the guy. But then comes live action. Then comes um, adjustments in-game. You know, reading the defenses and, 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 and understanding this is what we're doing and this is what we're trying to build and, and this is how we can attack them. This is how we can start coming out of this stance differently to attack what they're doing here. And, and it's, it's those kinds of things that we got to see if he can handle it. But again, it's got to be this year. We got to embrace it, and I want to embrace. It. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's sad that that the old school Packers and that air it out and the, the the Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Greg Jennings that that offense is not what we're doing anymore. But it's not like the 49ers aren't an electrifying offense. At the end of the day, I just want. It, it's not even just that I want to win. I, I want the Packers to have a dominant offense again, and the way in which they do that, I don't really care. But just to be that frustrating offense that the defenses can't seem to figure out how to stop, that's all I want. And I don't care if it's by throwing 20-yard bombs or 4-yard passes to a wide-open tight end because the defense just got all twisted around. Because Matt LaFleur is just melting the defensive coordinator's brain. I don't care how you do it. Just go out and dominate. And again, I really think they can. But it's Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have to fully embrace this thing. And Matt LaFleur has to deliver because, again, that's what we're doing. That's what we're committing to. We're essentially taking all that power. It's maybe not the right way to say it, but the the weight, all these heavy bricks that we've piled on Aaron Rodgers for all these years, we're taking it off his shoulders, at least a large portion of it. We're putting it on Matt LaFleur's shoulders, and he's got to be the one to deliver now. So, anyways, we're not going to get to part three. I'm going to leave it there. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But, anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. And if anybody buys buymeastake.com, you better be bringing me in on that, or you will get a kick right in the old kneecap. Anyways, talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.